Welcome back, everybody, to Rules of the Arena podcast, episode 56 or 57. Not really sure right now. We are live at location at the headquarters of the John Donaldson Network, sitting down with the president and founder, Pete Gorton. Pete, thanks for being kind enough to let me into your into your place this weekend on this delightful winter day. Of it is rather cold, <laughs> but it's very warm to have you here and your audience. It's fantastic to be here. And I, yeah, like I was saying before, when I didn't hit the right button, I was hoping to have you at the Blind Ninja Studios back in October, and then I got COVID and I was down for three weeks, so I'm glad you were patient with me and allowed me to finally put that on the back burner, but at least we're, we're so now. glad you're feeling better <laughs> and uh, you made it through that ordeal. Yes. Um, this is a hundred year old story. If you want to wait another couple of months, we'll certainly wait until you are feeling better. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, finally, finally back, back on my feet. It was only like the first five days that were rough, but glad to be back at right. you know, doing normal things again. We're just happy to have you and uh, want and glad that you're here. It's important that we reach out to as many people as we can and try and tell this great story. So tonight, taking a little bit different approach to the show. Longtime listeners know my guests have normally been business owners, athletes, music, musicians, artists, and organizations. Uh, today, we're going to do have, be the focal point of the show is the greatest player, baseball player, nobody's really ever heard of, uh, John Wesley Donaldson. He's a left-handed pitcher who played in the Negro Baseball Leagues for over three decades and first black American to work as a scout in the MLB. Yes. Just wanted to start off with a little quote from the New York Times article that they did with you. Uh, most baseball fans have probably never heard of John Donaldson, a hard-throwing pitcher who drew out sold-out crowds around the country for astonishing three decades before he hung up his glove in 1941. His statistics establish him as one of the greatest play ever to play America's pastime, yet died in obscurity. Now, Donaldson's towering contributions to the Negro Leagues are slowly being resurrected after decades of racial injustice, institutional neglect, and that's thanks to the efforts of a white guy who drives Uber in Minnesota, a network of amateur research and that he has organized to reconstruct Donaldson's career and push for his admission to the Hall of Fame. So, Pete, for folks that listening, they haven't seen your story, they haven't read an article from you, just want to introduce yourself a little bit for everyone? Yeah, my name's Pete Gorton. Um, I live in suburban Minneapolis. Um, I came across the story of John Donaldson about 20 years ago. Um, uh, more about me, I was a freelance journalist, had a bunch of odd kind of jobs. The New York Times picked up on the Uber thing. That must have been... They also called me middle-aged and white, which was interesting, too. <laughs> I'm sure I have many different uh, uh, ways to describe me, but those were the ones they chose. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of funny. But the um, what I'm doing and what we're trying to do along the way is resurrect an American hero, uh, somebody who we should know. Um, the average baseball fan knows who Babe Ruth is, and they know who Lou Gehrig is, and they know who, um, you know, the greats of the game are. Uh, one named John Wesley Donaldson should be added to their list. That's what we're working on. Sure. So a little bit how you came to, to this part, but I mean, how did you first and when did you first get involved with baseball? Um, I continue to play. I play about 30, 40 games a year um, on amateur men's teams, um, and I'm 51 years old if you're keeping track. <laughs> um, but baseball has been a part of my life forever. Uh, one of the things that ironically has happened in this story is my last high school baseball game was played in Bertha, Minnesota, the place where John Donaldson played. Mm -hmm. um, I'm from central Minnesota. Um, John Donaldson played in Bertha, which is 13 miles from my hometown. So they were putting together this book called Swinging for the Fences, Black Baseball in Minnesota. Uh, and they needed a section from 1910 to 1930. They're kind of going chronologically by decade. Um, the editor of the book, his name was Stephen Hoffbeck, um, was looking to fill that section, and he was my high school social studies teacher. He ran into my mom at the uh, <laughs> post office one day. I was working covering the Jeb Bush administration in Florida at the time uh, as a journalist, and she said, well, what is he doing? Uh, anyway, one, one thing led to another. I got a um, letter in the mail in Tallahassee, Florida, from my old high school teacher, and he said, I'm doing this thing. Are you interested in helping us do that? Um, I got transferred my job back to St. Paul, um, spent a lot of time as a freelance uh, journalist 
photographer, mostly a camera, cameraman, <clears throat> excuse me. And the, um, I had some t extra time between gigs, and so I would go over to the St. Paul Historical Society, uh, the Minnesota Historical Society in St. Paul, and did research on this baseball player who played near my hometown. Um, so I put together a little, the first chapter ever on John Donaldson, and when that book came out, uh, somebody, a uh, uh, Negro League historian, had found his unmarked grave in Chicago, and they invited mm -hmm. me down to put a headstone on, and assist with putting a headstone on his unmarked grave. And would you be interested in doing that? Of course I would be interested in doing that. I had a couple of hundred wins of his from his time in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, and he was a barnstorming baseball player, so he played all over, uh, over 739 cities we haven't been so far. Um, might have found another one this morning. Um, so John Donaldson played all across the upper, all across the United States, the whole North American continent. Uh, it's something like 31 states and provinces he played in. So his story is spread out all over the place. Um, and so I had found a certain amount of that and went down to his uh, ceremony to put a headstone on his grave, a, a proper marker where it was green grass. And I'm standing around with a bunch of uh, academics and historians and people who would find that interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and I ask them all, does anybody really know who this is? You know, we're standing around a grave. Everybody's kind of looking down, right? right? The, the first thing that comes, might come to your mind would be, well, do you really know who this is? I assumed, as I was doing my research uh, for the book piece, um, that there would be somebody out there who had a, a John Donaldson trunk and would be able to open it up and show me everything they got. Um, it turned out that wasn't the case. Uh, and so I thought, well, I have some wins of his. Maybe I can put together with some other people and we can figure out how important he was. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started doing that and we started communicating with people on a different level in terms of uh, researching, uh, using something new called the internet. <laughs> and so that was rare. In 1969, uh, the sentinel book on black baseball history called Only the Ball Was White was written by a guy named Robert Peterson. That came out the year before before John Donaldson died. Uh, he died in April of 1970. Um, during the process of doing the book tour for that, many Negro League baseball stars, um, their profile was raised because they were living and people could ask him, well, what did you think about what he said in this book? Mm -hmm. um, John Donaldson tragically died. Um, has a major section in the book. Um, but never really got to say I did that, right. and be able to the and then subsequently, Satchel Page goes in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Josh Gibson goes in the Hall of Fame. Buck Leonard goes in the Hall, of, and several for the next several years, Negro League baseball players are admitted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. But it's a who's who of this book. And so you get all these guys who are in the Hall of Fame who have kind of major sections in that book. They're getting in. And John Donaldson, still dead. Um, unable to talk about the greatness of what his career was. He lost that opportunity. Mm -hmm. He was a humble man anyways. Probably wouldn't have told a whole bunch of people <laughs> what he did anyways. Um, so I'm down in Chicago. We're looking down at the grave. One day it strikes me, we have to figure out who this guy is. Um, and so I tell my soon-to-be wife that, uh, or, or uh, just we just got married, so um, I told my wife, we're going to go on this journey. Do you want to go? And tragically, she said yes, <laughs> um, depending on who you ask. But I think it's important to know that what we realized was this person's legacy needed help. Um, there was opportunity there to do that. I had the, the means and the ability to do so. Uh, we found one of the greatest heroes in American sports, and we need to tell everybody. Um, and so that tells you a little bit about the sort of genesis of this. We started very small. It happened to be a, a coincidental place I knew. Uh, sent by a teacher of mine from my high school into this place. <laughs> that is the, probably the most Midwest origin story ever. Yeah, and it might, it might be boring. Um, but the truth is, is, he knew 
that I knew the people there. And so if I went there, to Bertha, that is, uh, town has about 75 people in it today, uh, that they would know who I was and they would be forthcoming with me, which is really the genesis of what the Johnson, John Donaldson Network did was if you know something about where you're from, you're always going to know it better than I am. Um, so let's find somebody there who knows some more about it than I ever will. If I can tell you what to look for, can you come back with information? Well, the fact is, it's come back 2,500 times. <laughs> um, and that's an important thing to understand. And the internet helps that because we can email now. When Robert Peterson wrote his book, he was writing letters to people um, and visiting um, archives and to try and figure out more about these players. <laughs> Physically going there. Uh, we don't necessarily have to do that anymore. And it has helped us in innumerable ways. So, and that, that is a lot to unpack, and I want to get through all of that <laughs> over the course of this episode. But I want to go back just kind of more about you and your history you know, of the sport. I mean, why why did you latch on to baseball? You know, why not hockey? I mean, that's probably the most popular sport in Minnesota, second only to Canada as far as how many people play or watch or have, you know, the memorabilia of a sports team in their house. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I was a golfer. Oh, let me tell you another story about my baseball history that not very many people understand. I was nine. Um, they were putting together a team that was going to go to Brainerd, which is a big town. <laughs> and they were going to go play some nine-year-olds over in Brainerd. And they didn't take me. Um, I wasn't very good, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I know your name, the coach who cut me. Anyway, um, it, it doesn't bother me, but maybe it does. Um, and so I quit baseball. I always loved it. As a child, would watch the game of the week with Tony Kubek and, and Bob Costas because we had three channels, right? And one baseball game a week right. until the Superstation came and then we all became <laughs> Braves fans. But that's a whole other thing. Um, and so I got cut from my baseball team and I went to the golf team. Um, and I subsequently played golf for a couple of years until I realized that the coach's kids were the one golfer and the two golfer and whatever that is, that's all there really was. And I wasn't very good at golfing. <laughs> and so my June or sophomore year, I decided I'm going to go back out for baseball. And they were nice enough to have me back in there. And that was a time when you could do that. Mm -hmm. um, and subsequently, I would play every minute of every day for the rest of my life if I could. It's, touch, it's touched me and changed my life um, in a way that almost nothing has. One of the interesting, and that's similar to the John Donaldson story. So I'm in the Bertha Historical Society. I know the guy who runs the place. Um, and I said, and I go in there and there's a poster of John Donaldson on the wall. And I said, can I take the poster down and look at it closer? Sure, you can do whatever you want. So I take the poster down, and I, as I'm, um, it's a historical society, so they have piles of scrapbooks. People in the olden days used to make scrapbooks, <laughs> right? And now we have digital files. Right, now or, it's all on Facebook. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever you're adding to your story, right? Um, anyway, so there's a pile of scrapbooks there, and I put it down. I put this poster down on this pile of scrapbooks to get a closer look at it, and I look down, and there's a picture of me. And I said to the guy, how many Negro League historians have come here looking for John Donaldson? Well, you know, they come every five, six years. Somebody from Kansas City or Philadelphia or New York comes looking for John Donaldson. I said, what did it ever, whatever happened? Well, we never hear from those guys again. Mm -hmm. um, none of those guys are in the Bertha Historical Society like I am. It turned out my senior year in high school, our high school basketball team lost to Bertha. And we had been champions the year before. And so the program was in there and there, and I was on that team, right? So there I am. And so nobody else that I could think of would have such a um, close proximity to John Donaldson's story in Bertha as mm -hmm. he's looking over my picture right now. 
And that was 20 years ago. And every day since I've been working on this. <laughs> I mean, were prior to that moment, I mean, were you ever interested or involved with the history of baseball? I know no. there's a lot of fanatic fans out there that can tell you every stat about damn near every player that you've ever been in the MLB. Absolutely. I'm very aware of, well aware of lots of those <laughs> nice folks. They are really, um, yeah, and that's part of the game. Um, is almost as much as on the field as that changes every year. Um, one of the beauties of the game is there's a, um, a season and then there's a research season. Right. <laughs> um, and they're exactly opposite of one another. And here in Minnesota, just because we have a much longer research season than we have a baseball season. <laughs> um, and that's fortunate or unfortunate. But I think that it's important to know that that base was always there. Mm -hmm. How could I give back to this game? I love it so much. I mean, it's the only thing and maybe other people that you've interviewed have the same sort of experiences, but it's really the only thing, only place I ever went where I didn't think anything else. Now, to play the game competitively, you must be concentrating on what you're yeah. doing. Um, and maybe that focus is what made me go there. Uh, but the, I've always loved the game for that aspect of it. Uh, love to play it, coach it, talk about it. Um, and so, but no, I wasn't, before that, I didn't go to school to be a baseball historian. Um, I'm not sure you can even do that these days, but <laughs> you probably can. Um, I just figured out what my skill was, was talking with people, interacting with them, and then we just had this great story, which compelled them to act. And that's where we are. Mm -hmm. And we continue to go and go. So, I mean, were you hooked right away as soon as you, you saw the, the photo or you got that call to go down to Chicago? Or is that when you, the light went off, if you will? Like, I, yeah. I need to go, I need to reach, I need to find out about who Donaldson was. Yeah, when I started to figure out, uh, when that sort of quote unquote light went off was when I realized there was nobody else. There were historians who had a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, but John Donaldson's career is 740 pounds. Nobody had 740 towns. <laughs> and one of the major components to what I was working on was web presence. You can go right now and I'll bet or find yourself a, a sixth grader who can go into their phone and I, they can go on their phone and within 30 seconds, you can find out what Lou Gehrig did on any given Thursday in August, mm -hmm. 1929, right? Two for three and a stolen base, right? Within 30 seconds. Um, it was also a critical time in, there wasn't that for Negro League players. And why is there not? There certainly was information about them. Mm -hmm. How come there isn't information about them? One of the major components of what the Donaldson Network did was make that. So when you Google search, my big thing is getting rid of John Donaldson who? The question mark. Mm -hmm. What do we do to get rid of how do you make pork chops? Google search, right? Right? How much sugar do you put in an old fashioned? Yeah. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when you Google search John Donaldson, what comes up? Well, in 2006, nothing. Um, nothing that had anything to do with great African-American baseball hero. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say, and one of the biggest things that we've been able to accomplish is there is no doubt who he is now. And that is a huge step in legacy restoration. What, and we can get into this more later, but what history has taken away from him, we are able to give back and fill in. And for whatever reason, history took things away. There's mm -hmm. plenty of those. Um, we're able to get it back. And that's a key thing to what we're doing. And understanding that reparation is important. And I'd say, you know, every fan of the sport or even layman knows the name Jackie Robinson, you know, first black American to play in the MLB. Um, but before him, there's Satchel, or yeah, before? Yes, before, oh, Satchel, Satchel Page, Page and during, probably, yes. Yeah, the more hardcore fans might know that one. That was one I learned from you. you had Satchel Page. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I'm, I'm a fair weather Cubs fan. At, okay, sorry to best. hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Dad grew up outside of Chicago, yes. so grew up watching, you know, him watch the Cubs on the weekends, and that's about it. And Well, you're not alone. Uh, yeah. There is a rumor that the Chicago Cubs, the world champion Chicago Cubs of 1908, I think it was, yep. um, 
played against the Chicago American Giants, a black team, were losing, walked off the field, and that's the origin of the curse. Sure. Um, that was squelched in 2016. Yes. It only took him 108 years to figure that out. <laughs> but it wasn't a goat after all. Yeah. It was Rube Foster and a black baseball team mm-hmm. that um, set them on their losing ways because they couldn't be upstanding human beings. Right. And that is an unknown story. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, but yeah. for Cub fans to think about the goat and the cheeseburger or whatever it is, <laughs> uh, their story is different, and there's a different way to look at that. They walked away from uh, the Chicago American, or I think it was the Chicago Union Giants at the time, um, an all-black baseball team that um, was putting it on the Cubs, and they didn't want to lose. And that was the stereotypical, that was the time. So, why, so sorry to hear yeah. you're a Cub fan. That yeah, was, that's for all your Cub fans out there. There's <laughs> a lot of them, too. I, I said for all the way through my entire life from up to 2016 that I'd only become a diehard Cubs fan if they win the World Series. And then oh, here you go. And then I'd go eat crow after that. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't want to tell you they're looking like they're going to eat crow again. But, but, it's, but it's almost guaranteed that if I go to Wrigley Field, the game's going to get rained out. It's happened three times oh, it has? in a row. So I, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. But the Chicago, but baseball fans in general... Um, find it hard to believe that this story could exist. Um, Some people have gotten quite angry with me. One of the things that I'm trying to get the audience to understand is it is possible you have no idea about this. Because there are, maybe you know some, baseball fans who are the resident experts and are, you know, whenever there's a baseball question on Jeopardy, they look at you. (laughs) Um, And that's great, and you're known for that. You gain some notoriety in your social circle as the baseball guy. Um, When asked, do you know who John Wesley Donaldson is? And they go, no. I mean... That guy doesn't exist. Well, he does exist, <laughs> and he did exist, and it's not your fault you don't know. And so I'm constantly helping people understand what it is that made them not know this. From, you know, the people you think should know. No idea. Um, and that's important, too, and so you got to understand that There's no guilt associated with that. There might be some shame if you're the quote-unquote baseball guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody starts their John Donaldson story at zero, (laughs) right? And it's the first step, and I talk about this all the time, is the hardest part of doing anything that's significant is making that first step uh, and making it possible so that others can move on and, and change this story. And that's an important part of it. We could sit here all day, and we might anyways, but we could sit here all day and explain the reasons that you don't know who he is. Um, and there's not lots of them, but in terms of hardcore baseball fans, they can't figure out how they don't know this. I know exactly why you don't know this. It needs to be possible that you didn't know. And once you admit that I don't know everything, then we can start working your way into that. Right. And that's an important part which, of it. Which is tough for some people, especially you get that gatekeeping mentality of, right. I know everything about the sport and this is how it is and this is how it always should be. And right. I've seen some of that when you know going over the research over the last few months and trying to learn who John was. And yeah. It, it's it's interesting to see the, the, the shift in it, especially in recent times. But it is possible within our society and our shared history that they kept this from you. And whoever they is is a big quote-unquote. But my point is, is it is possible that there was somebody who was performing at a very, very high athletic level that, if you want to say, slipped through the cracks, um, never heard of, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, history has forgotten John Donaldson. That day's over. Mm-hmm. Nobody, and I like to say, nobody is going to believe that there's a Hall of Fame caliber baseball player out there that they've never heard of. Um, we found him. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you probably have the. Um, you're probably much more likely to be hit by lightning two times <laughs> than you are to find somebody who 
legitimately belongs in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and nobody ever heard of him before. I mean, it's a ridiculous number, and it found me 20 years ago. And what we're doing now is working towards making him known. Now, the Baseball Hall of Fame we can get into because that's always a part of the discussion of Negro League baseball players and baseball in general, but it's important to understand that we just kept digging and we kept finding him and realizing what his importance was to the game itself. Not Negro Leagues, not uh, just baseball. Uh, One of the big Society of American Baseball Research, Society for American Baseball Researchers is called Sabre, right? They study baseball. Um, I was on a podcast or stream of theirs years ago and the head of the organization came to me and he said, well, what are you going to do about John Donaldson? I mean, now that you found out allegedly everything about him, what are you going to do now? And I said, well, it's really important to me that we stop talking to uh, we stop talking about him as a Negro League baseball player because most of John Donaldson's career was not in the league but he gets Negro League put on him. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? And up till very recently, when the major leagues recognized the Negro Leagues as being important, uh, it was always kind of backyard baseball, and nobody really cares about that. And I saw that was the counter-argument to him being admitted to the Hall of Fame, is that he wasn't playing real baseball players or real talent, air quotes. Right. That he's just playing against some farmers. You know, That's right. Like you mentioned, the, the Barnes, Barnstorm Barnstorm, era. yep. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, like, but physic. so I tell the guy, someday we're going to live in a world where John Donaldson's known as a ball player, not a Negro League ball player, not a minor leaguer, not a, a ball player, because that's what he was. And once you can start to see his story as a human being, uh, it changes your perspective on it. And that's what I'm trying to help people understand. And for me, you know, to put into a a football analogy, Packers had a couple ugly wins this year, but when the playoffs roll around, you're not looking, well, how close did they win or lose? It's, was it a win or was it a loss? Right. And if you look at just, and I want to get into his stats down the, as we You wanted to slip the Packers in. Yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Know your audience. I'm in in Viking country Yeah, 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 that's okay. (laughs) But, yeah, he won, I mean, unprecedented amount of games, and I was just kind of glossing over his stats the last couple days, and Mm -hmm. it's insane. And again, a passive baseball fan. Right. But even I'm looking at the numbers like, holy shit, <laughs> that's it, a lot. It's, um, uh, we found another game of his this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a constantly changing and shifting goal, if you will. Uh, you know, 2,500 games, 740 towns, uh, 418 wins. Um, 5,116 strikeouts today. Um, We will have more by the end of the weekend. Uh, John Donaldson's story is emerging. Mm -hmm. It's really the future because they did such a darn good job of making him unknown. And that's part of what what our shared past is. And in order to relive or, or to live better, and my... I just heard it again this morning. Uh, we must do better. I can't. It's it's absolutely ridiculous to me that the legacy of one of the greatest baseball players in the history of the sport is in a box in my basement. <laughs> and you laugh, but it's ridiculous because what? Nobody wanted that. Nobody thought they could change that. We're doing that every day. And that's what our my job is. My goal is to try and help people understand that John Donaldson has a story to tell us mm-hmm. that is worthwhile today and has been for 100 years. So why do you think his name was this lost to history for so long, intentional or otherwise? I mean, I mean, with record numbers, I, I, I know there's a lot of local coverage, and that's where sure. you've gotten a lot of your information. There wasn't much for national from everything that I found. 
But you'd think with someone with those kind of numbers, and he still managed to get a position in the MLB as a scout. Yes. You'd think somebody somewhere would go, where'd this guy come from? Why is he here? Right. And start to key things together back then. Right. But here we are sitting 2020. And you started 20 years ago, and it's now finally happening. Well, I think it is. I hope it is. It took a lot of courage to write a newspaper article about John Donaldson in his era. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone through thousands of newspapers. Uh, it might have been, the in any given year, it might have been the only positive story they wrote about a black person in their, in their newspaper, which is a whole other story. But when you, if, if you had a story written about John Donaldson and you went to your newspaper editor and it was 1935, uh, he would think twice about running it just because it's 1935. Right. Uh, and it took courage for the people to write those articles down. Uh, 7,854 newspaper articles I found about him. Just a couple. <laughs> well, it's a lot. But the conception was, and one of the reasons that they say, or one of the reasons that nobody knows who he is, is because they didn't write about black people. <laughs> they sure did. 7,854 times and counting. It's important to know that what we've been told, what we have been educated about, um, is just the tip of the iceberg. There's more to this story and there's more richness to this story than anyone has allowed us to see yet until now. There isn't anybody who doesn't, who can't know who John Donaldson is if they really want to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a different fundamental shift in how things are, how people are educated today as opposed to uh, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 100 years ago. So I just want to back things up to the, the start of the John Donaldson Network. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to start that? I mean, you said you started researching on your own, but when did you decide, I need help? You know? um, in 2005, uh, the National Baseball Hall of Fame put out sort of a tell us about Negro League baseball players. We're going to induct some in 2006. Um, I had already been networking with people using letters and email. I still write letters. <laughs> They're the most effective thing you can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in pandemic. I mean, the mailman's coming, everybody. It's the <laughs> highlight of the day, right? I mean, if I'm wrong, any of your audience tell me I'm wrong. Um, so I'm making building relationships with people in their hometowns where John Donaldson was. So I'm telling you, John Donaldson went to whatever town in Nebraska, August, whatever. Can you go down to your newspaper office and find the newspaper? Because they wrote about him. Well, are you sure they wrote about black people? Sure, they did. (laughs) Two weeks later, mailbox, open it up, somewhere in Nebraska, somebody... Yeah, I walk by there every day when I go get coffee. Well, can you stop in the newspaper office, look at this specific newspaper, uh, because we can tell them exactly what it is. Um, That's information I can help people understand. Um, Here they come, right? The stories start coming in, and different parts of different, that's all we know about them, but that's what my hometown said. Well, 740 times, here you go. Um, And that's just different cities. I mean, he went back to the same cities almost every year. Mm -hmm. And so 2,500 times almost, he is playing in your town. And so the network started that way. Um, From the very beginning of how I was asked to come into this project, um, because I knew that area better and I could get access to things, that idea just blossomed into the network. And so... The, the thing was, is 2006, we need to have October 30th, 2005. The Hall of Fame needs to know who John Donaldson was. Can you give us something? Yeah, 
I can't. I'll give you everything I got. And other people were giving everything they had, and we put it all together, and we handed it to him, which got him off off the general knowledge list of Negro League baseball players and onto the final ballot, which is really important. 247 wins we had in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um which got him into the final 39 Negro League players considered for Cooperstown. Um, subsequently, he didn't make it, obviously. The um, But he made the final ballot. And then they said, if new and significant information comes out, we'll re-look at these guys again. Because from a public relations standpoint, it probably isn't a good idea that that's the end. Right. Um, and so anyway, the, ever since then, 2006, 14, 15 years ago now, um, that sort of phone's been off the hook as an analogy, right? I mean, maybe there's an opportunity to come. Maybe there is, but I can tell you, we went from 247 wins, 1,340 some strikeouts, Five thousand strikeouts to four hundred and eighteen wins. I mean, it, there's new and significant information. <laughs> yeah, right. And so it's tripled um, since then, and I really don't see it stopping um, until they start to realize that John Donaldson was an incredibly significant person. And so this network was built um, somewhere at different times, right, between Facebook and email. It's been between 1,500,000 people um, who have contributed to this, who have said, that's important enough for me to take my time to drive all the way to Minneapolis and interview this guy. (laughs) It's important enough, right? And that's the organic nature of what's happened. Uh, I realized I could, I mean, the reason that I had the opportunity was every historian was smart and good. I can't do that. Right. And so there's that reason too. Mm-hmm. There was my ability to do nothing else. You can ask me about lower levels of the Negro leagues and you can ask me about the impact of Jackie Robinson. You can ask me about lots of different kind of genre specific things within the Negro leagues. I don't know anything about, but I tell you a whole lot about John Donaldson. I'll tell you. <laughs> and maybe we're realizing that I kind of lost track of time. But no, no my point is, is that there are people who are Negro League generalists. I'm not that guy. I know a lot about these, you know, what's been published and what's written, and but mostly how it relates to John Donaldson, right? I used to have, we used to have one of our taglines was always looking, right? I mean, I'd wake up in the middle of the nighttime and I go, oh, I gotta go look in South Dakota, <laughs> right? I mean, it was <laughs> obsession, and but people have said that I never looked at um, cornfields the same because of the field of dreams, um, and the close encounters guy was shaping potatoes in the devil's tower. Remember? Yep. Maybe no one in your audience knows who the, the great Richard Dreyfus was. But the, uh, the point is, is that you never look at anything the same again. And so I'd be sitting in church and I'd be thinking how to sharpen this pencil um, and other places, right? Constantly thinking about how to make this, how we can continue this story because it really is impactful for everyone. So in the beginning or even today, I mean, have you hit those roadblocks or hit that wall? And I mean, how do you work around that? Or do you just, oh, here's an ad, back it up, try a different route as you're going through this research? Well, absolutely. There's, you know, peaks and valleys of any endeavor. Um, It's really important to understand that, you know, in, in, for me, in 2018, 2019 was most important. And in 2019, it was 2020. And then 2020, it was 2021. That's the way I think about it is the next year is going to be important because people are going to start thinking what I'm thinking. Um, and there was a time and a date and... If I really looked, I could figure out exactly what it was. When I sat in my basement, frozen cold basement, (laughs) researching and looking at these things, going, this guy is one of the most important people in the history of our country. How come I'm the one who's looking at it, right? I mean, it, it has crossed my mind. But my point is, is that I think that it's important that you 
listen to that stuff. Um, if you think you should uh, start a gym, if you think you should, uh, I want to encourage you to do that. People hear voices all the time. They're telling them to do the right things. This has turned out to be exactly the right thing and the right way to do it. And I think that it's enriching in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it richful? No. I mean, there's no money in being an eager league historian, I hate to tell you. Uh, but a lot of people have supported me along the way, uh, giving me jobs, painting their houses. and I mean, I do these things, driving the New York Times, driving the Uber, right? I mean, that's not lost on me. It's, I'm grateful to that, and many, many times I think of that. I'm always thankful for somebody who wants to talk to me about the importance of this person because we have something to learn and every day that goes by almost there's another reason why we need to know who this guy is mm-hmm. because people say things like well 7.8 percent of the major league baseball players are african-americans how come they're so low surely there's more qualified black baseball players out there, well, it must be basketball or it must be football. Um, Did you ever think that it could be because there's no African-American heroes in baseball that people have to look up to? Mm -hmm. John Donaldson's one of those guys. Let's tell you about him. Um, There's importance to what we're doing that's good for the game. It's good for us individually. Um, But moreover, I think it's good for everybody to understand uh, that that's some kind of history we don't want to repeat. Um, It's important that when we discuss this, we understand that our society has changed. It's time. If, if, if I know better, it's my job to tell you that, and here I am. So did you think this was ever going to become a 20-year-plus project when you started, or did you think, oh, this is going to be a year or two, I'll have all my information, then I can mm-hmm. do what I will? Well, people ask me that in a different way. They say, well, when's the book coming out? <laughs> It's going to be a follow-up. <laughs> right? I mean, that's... Um, there's no ending. Um, did I think it was going to be 20 years? No. But the pile kept getting bigger and bigger. Right? And it keeps getting bigger. And it really isn't slowing down. Um, so, no. But it's the importance of the story. Um, it's the importance of something that we all collectively could have forgotten that is inspiring to me, um, and hopefully that helps other people try and do something about something that was wrong. I don't... John Donaldson played in 130 cities in Minnesota. Um, that's almost everywhere. Um <laughs> Not to be outdone by Iowa. Well, we don't have a lot of good feelings about Iowa just because they're our neighbor. But we won't get into the Packers or the Badgers and the Hawkeye business, right? right? We won't do that. Um, 132 cities in Iowa. And that's really all the cities in Iowa. Um, It's impossible, knowing what I know about John Donaldson, that nobody in Iowa knows that. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Now, they have somewhere in Iowa, there's a scrapbook, and there's a picture of a black guy in there that nobody knows. I know who he is. And I I stood up in southwestern Minnesota several years ago. I was given a speech at a county fair. I do speeches at county fairs. Um, it should be no revelation to anyone in this room. Uh, but I said to the crowd, somebody here has a picture of John Donaldson in their basement. And they laughed. I mean, it was an audible chuckle. No way. That's not possible. All right. Maybe it's not. Two years later, a lady calls me on the phone. She says, you know, I saw you at the fair and... You said that somebody here has a uh, picture of John Donaldson in their basement. Well, my daughter, she said, had a a baby. And I said, congratulations, your grandma. Yeah, yeah, that's done a couple times. But she said, gosh, the baby looked a lot like Aunt Millie. 
my Aunt Millie. And we had to prove that. So they went down to the basement and got Aunt Millie's scrapbook, and there was a picture of baby Aunt Millie in there. And she did look like my granddaughter, for sure. But on the next page was a picture of John Donaldson. (laughs) And so I thought I'd call you and tell you that what you said was right. And that's right. And that's what... It's impossible to me that that isn't recreated in hundreds of cities across the United States. He was that famous. I mean, he was that famous. If Satchel Paige is much more famous for coming to your town, and that's part of the persona of who Satchel Paige was, was it was possible to live in uh, Missoula, Montana, and you could see Satchel Paige. Mm Because you were still two, three, two thousand miles from a major league city in Missoula, Montana. And that was the pull of these sort of outlaw black baseball players was they could go to these places that the major leagues would never go. I'd never, you know, you'd never see the New York Giants play in Montana. Right. And the closest major league team was Chicago. I mean, there wasn't even one in Minneapolis. Um, You know, and so... That was the draw, was these are major league quality players who are African-Americans who can't, because of the color line, can't play in the major leagues, but they're good enough to, and they're going to play in our town. Come out and watch, and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people did, right? And so that was a part of their persona and draw, and John Donaldson was the king of that. And that's an important thing to understand. Here he is in the middle of Nebraska, in the middle of North or South Dakota, uh, Montana, all the way out to Seattle and Vancouver. Uh, John Donaldson's here. And there's even games when he hands the ball, John Donaldson hands the ball to Satchel Paige. Really? In the same game. It's important to understand that John Donaldson weaves his way through the entire genre of what it was to be African-American in the United States. Mm and survive. And he truly survived his time. And so it's important, um, I've almost forgotten the question, but my point is is that John Donaldson was a big star and an accessible big star. Uh, One of the things that we're constantly doing is trying to figure out where his pictures are because we can find them. They come up on eBay and strange places, right? (laughs) Auction houses listed as someone else, right? Because it said it was somebody else on the back. And so I get, right, it's $2.99 in the bargain bin because they don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. I know who he is. It's time we need to have people look and see who he was. And so that is constant part of our outreach because it pays off and he is out there. So, and I'm just curious, I saw on the website, you you have uh, Sam, I'm going to butcher his last name, Sinky? Sam Sinky, yep. Yep, mm-hmm. okay. He couldn't be here today because he's kind of a little far away down in Australia. He is. But how did you connect with, with Sam? Um, Sam, uh, I took Sam's job in Tallahassee, Florida. We were hurricane chasers. Sure. Um, and so we covered... Um, natural disasters in the United States. Um, Sam drove the, tr- I, we drove a satellite up lake truck way back when that used to happen, the, um, into hurricanes. Um, anyway, Sam and I maintained a relationship with each other. Uh, one day I told him about what I was working on, um, and he has an engineer's brain, and he and I developed the website, the boring incredible, I mean, don't have a host of callers call in and say how boring the web page is. <laughs> we know that, right? And if I had a nickel, trust me, for everybody who came along and said, we really need to spruce up your website, we don't. Um, that's nice of you to think, um, and the price tag was exorbitant, uh, but our job was to put John Donaldson's presence on the web, not give you flashy interactivity and gaming and all the things Mm. that the web has become known for. (laughs) We're taking nothing and putting something where nothing was. And that's the job Sam and I are doing on the web. Sam is is a staunch supporter of what we're trying to do. Um, He started Wikipedia projects for Negro League baseball players. 
kind of at the same time. I was, he was, John Donaldson was one of them, so why not learn how to do that? So what Sam does, he lives in Australia and uh, works for a television production company still there. Uh, he looks at old newspapers and pulls out names of Negro League baseball players and puts it on Wikipedia pages for them so that if you Google somebody obscure, there he is. And mm-hmm. Sam's been doing that for a long time. Um, and he's also put up somewhere around 5,000, maybe 7,500 PDF files about John Donaldson games. I mean, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um but he's passionate about it and understands that from the analytical side of it, how to tell that story. And so John Donaldson's web presence started in 2006. John Donaldson, um, www.johndonaldson.bravehost.com. Um, John Donaldson, bravehost.com. Say it over and over again, people. The um, <laughs> is the home for John Donaldson on the web. Um, a free place, free website. Uh, somewhere around 26,000 people have visited in the last 15 years. Uh, Sam is a huge part of what we do. Um, and he needs to know that. But there, we, people come into your lives, you have to know when to when they're asking you if they can help you. And Sam asked me one day how he can help me. And 20 years later now, we're still doing the same thing. (laughs) Um, Maybe you watch what you ask. But Sam Sinke's our web person. And we're working on the web page together because it's kind of never ending. Mm -hmm. Um, We can always improve the content of it. If you, the, the goal was to get him a web presence, but secondly was to show that he played with all these people. Often John Donaldson was the only black person on an all-white baseball team. Uh, and funny, last, uh, middle of last year, somebody contacted me from the web page and said, my dad caught John Donaldson in Western Minnesota in 1925. Um, he was a catcher and his name, I found his name on your web page. And that's pretty interesting. Well, that's how you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, you can look up your ancestor's name and Google search it and his name is going to be on our web page if he played with John Donaldson mm-hmm. or against him. Um, and that's important. But that same week last summer, um, I got a call from somebody who said, my uncle was John Donaldson's brother. And I said, really? And it, I swear to you, it was 48 hours. It was the two, it was another Donaldson whose grandpa caught for. It was John Donaldson's brother. And they both contacted me within 48 hours of each other. <laughs> And that's what happens, I think. And I'm open to that happening because if you don't think that's going to happen, it never will. But that's a pretty incredible story that two guys who played together, who's two people whose grandfathers played with each other, who was a pitcher and a catcher in western Minnesota 75, 80, 90 years ago, um, would contact me as a result of that web page and what we've been doing within 48 hours of each other. That's pretty amazing. And oh, and here's a picture of my grandpa too. And you know, in baseball, the pitcher and the catcher have a um, more in-depth relationship. And so I've constantly been looking for John Donaldson's catchers. Mm -hmm. And we found the gloves that caught him, right? Through ancestors and descendants of the players themselves. And so that's always been a part of that web page thing is to be able to go, well, my last name is Schonberg, and it looks like he caught John Donaldson in 1914. And you go, oh yeah, he did. And here's all the stuff. And here's, by the way, here's a picture of him, right? And that type of thing is important too, because one of the things that John Donaldson was doing was knitting himself into the fabric of our memories one person at a time. Uh, And I think there's something to be learned from that. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be learned from 
his survival and perseverance in the out of the way places he had to go. Look, he is as good a baseball player as a Christy Matthewson or a Walter Johnson. These are Hall of Fame players. Um, the greatest pitchers of all time. Um, Christy Matthewson sleeping at the Four Seasons in Manhattan. John Donaldson sleeping on the ground. And there's a difference. John Donaldson, because of the way he looked, should have been in the, was unable to go to the Four Seasons, Mm -hmm. should have been there. And we can recognize that today. And I think that's powerful. John Donaldson. I don't want to digress too much, but there was a guy named Emmett Till. Emmett Till was 14 years old and he was murdered in uh, Alabama uh, for allegedly whistling at a store clerk. Um, She died in 2016. She recounted that he whistled at her at all. Uh, And it was interesting because... As it turned out, the reason she was mad at Emmett Till, the little boy, was he reached across the counter and handed her the nickel for the piece of candy. And it struck me as interesting because what was supposed to happen was he was, as a black person, was supposed to put the nickel down on the counter and slide it across, and then she was supposed to pick it up. He wasn't supposed to hand it to her. And they murdered him for that. Emmett Till's buried about 300, 200 yards from John Donaldson in the same cemetery in Chicago. John Donaldson went to 700 at 40 towns. I know that. How many nickels did John Donaldson slide across the table for Mm -hmm. a sandwich or somewhere to sleep or whatever John Donaldson had to do to do that? It's an incredible thing to think about the perseverance he had in order to be throughout Jim Crow America, pre-civil rights, uh, pre-World War I, how he was able to survive is an important thing to think about, and I think about that all the time. And if it's little things from sliding the nickel across, imagine how much longer your day would be if you had customs that could you could lose your life for if you didn't follow them, and how would you know what those are? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to understand that John Donaldson goes places for 60 years of his life, first black scout in Major League history, right? Arguably as big as Jackie Robinson um, in terms of symbolism. Uh, He was the first black face, black person with a black face in the room when they were deciding who was playing for the Chicago White Sox. That never happened before. Ha, ha, ha. That's not even close to ever happening before. John Donaldson did that, and that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. There were other scouts who recommended baseball players to major league teams who were black, but they weren't in the room, and they weren't um, announced by their organization, the Chicago White Sox, that this guy's on our team. That's a big thing. And John Donaldson did that. Um, In parallel to Jackie Robinson, one of the problems Jackie Robinson of that era was Jackie Robinson would come to town with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And if Jackie Robinson didn't show up one day, everybody would know Mm -hmm. because he was covered by major newspapers, Major League Baseball. Well, John Donaldson's traveling around to small towns all across America looking for baseball players. Nobody even knew who he was. Uh, It's important. There's a courage in that as well. He traveled. His baseball career ended in 1940, so he played baseball from 1907 to 1940. In 1949, he gets hired as a scout, and he spends the early 1950s traveling around the United States trying to stay alive and find baseball players. And that's the honest truth. You might say, well, that's Pete. That's over melodramatic. But it's, it's not. It was a struggle, and it was something that he believed in, and I believe that story needs to be told. 
since starting the website and the web presence in 2006, I mean, have you seen a ramp up with people reaching out to you saying, hey, I found this article, or I found a photo, or even family members reaching out to you because of that? Yes, um, of, of course. And that was the goal of it. Not as much as I thought. You know, in 2006, when Sam and I were sitting around thinking about what this was how we were going to reach out to people. And that's happened several times in the last 15 or so years. Uh, but some pretty major ones. Um, people always said, did John Donaldson have any children? He does not. Um, none that we have found. It wasn't until last June did I know his brother had any children. His brother's um, name was um, James Donaldson. Um, and he was a pitcher too, right-handed pitcher. Um, John Donaldson brought James Donaldson to, to Western Minnesota because he could make money, along with plenty of other black baseball players. So he was a scout way before 1949. He brought great black baseball players all over the place and put them in predominantly white towns to play for their white teams and make money. It was a job. That's how he did that. Mm -hmm. um, but he was trusted enough by people because he had been everywhere. Um, so he brings James Donaldson to Western Minnesota um, in 1925. His brother James dies of uh, mono. He catches mono, brain fever, his brain swelled, and he died. 1925, I, I mean, he was 26 years old. I thought unlikely he had any, I didn't know he had any children, never even looked. Mm -hmm. Well, one of his children called me last summer, right? <laughs> and that's an important thing to understand is um, it was always possible somebody was out there, but my goal and focus of what Sam and I were trying to do was not looking for descendants of his because we were pretty sure he didn't have any children and still are. Um, Ours was to define who he was. And that's certainly a part of it. A harder part. We have plenty of genealogists in the Donaldson Network. Plenty of them. Um, one particular name is Lila. She uh, is the genealogy guru for me. I say, I need to try and find somebody. She finds them. Right? And genealogists do genealogy better than I do. <laughs> I mean, here we go. I mean, if, if you, want, do you really want to sit down here, we'll get a legal pad and write all the things I don't know how to do down <laughs> on it, and then we'll start working on this. But this is how it is. You're, you're, you have to admit you don't understand what you're doing there, and someone else could know that better than you. And so that is a key tenet of what the Donaldson Network has done, that surely somebody knows middle of Nebraska better than I do, uh, ever will. And so I think it's important to know that... Um, James Donaldson's descendants are now members of the network and have helped us do some wonderful things in the last year. And I'm just curious, I mean, have you found obviously articles about his games that he's played, but sure. have you ever found any information about just the, the fly in the wall conversations of his day to day, you know, or stories about him in these different towns? Uh, maybe he had a positive experience with just a store clerk mm -hmm. or a not so positive experience with the residents there mm -hmm. because of his skin color during mm -hmm. the time. Have you incorporated any of that into what you're doing? Um, of course. Um, we look for that. Understand that it wasn't, um, it was, it wasn't popular to quote African-American people in the newspaper. It wasn't popular to put a story about them in there in the first place. And so understand there are not a whole lot of I did this on Wednesday mm -hmm. from John Donaldson. There's not. If there was, I would have found that. Or even third-hand stories from. Yes, yeah. there are those. Um, but I can tell you that with the exception of one article that was questionable, um, of the nearly 8,000 articles we have, not one of them has a bad thing to say about him. Um, and the other one happened between the lines of the game. One of the guys thought that he smiled at him wrong and went to the newspaper, right? Well, the tagline of the newspaper piece was, a lone black person should watch out when they're alone amongst whites. And you go, wait a second. That's where John Donaldson is, okay? Um, but that's one of, of 8,000. And so 
Was that prevalent? I don't doubt that. Was that written about in a local newspaper? It's probably easier for us to say no. Right? So mm-hmm. there are, um, I can tell you that John Donaldson was a walker. Right? One of the reasons that he maintained such a long career was his physical fitness. Now, obviously, he's an athlete. Um, we know from accounts of his uh, players on his team that he took morning walks every day and he'd get him out of bed and walk him. John Dallas is walking through America every day. Mm-hmm. So he's traveling in a train car for certain parts of his career. He's traveling in an old bus for other parts of his career. He's traveling in rickety cars for other parts of his career, right? He's on buses in the 40s and 50s, um, right? But before his career, there weren't cars, right? And so in some of the pictures of baseball at that time, um, you know, there's horses and buggies pulling up to the game. I mean, this is when that was. Um, And so we know that he walked around the United States and he saw America for what it was. And... His perspective on it has always fascinated me. Because is it written down anywhere? No, but he didn't keep memoirs or anything. Not that we found yet. Um, we know the person who was left with his stuff when he died from his birth from his death certificate. Right? His wife dies. Eleanor Donaldson dies the year after he does, and then we know who signed her death certificate. So we know where the stuff went to. Um, but what happened to it, who knows? It's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I'll tell you why, because he was famous. And not just cup of coffee famous, he was legitimately famous. And because we selectively remember him today or not, is inconsequential. That his time period, he was robustly famous. And that's what leads me to believe that his stuff is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And people just don't know what it is. And because we've got, look, you know, we're two generations away. And so, no, there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, there are quotes, John Donaldson quotes. There certainly are. Um, and as his long career progresses, um, they're better and better because they're usually retrospective, right? And they'll talk about what he did when he did that. And so those types of things are important. But uh, uh, great newspaper articles like he could throw the ball faster than any human being, Uh, right? I mean, that's golden stuff. Um, His comparisons to other black baseball players um, are important. To other white baseball players are important. Um, So yeah, there's lots of that type of thing. I encourage people to go look for that kind of stuff. John Donaldson is an important baseball figure, and that's what we need to keep talking about. Yeah, and we keep talking about him in these broad strokes, but I want to get down into you know who he was and mm-hmm. kind of the, the meat of it, if you will, the story. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune into part one with Pete Gordon and the John Donaldson Network. We'll be back next week with Pete for part two, diving more into the history and legend of John Wesley Donaldson. If you check out the click the link in the episode notes, you can head over to the Donaldson Network website and see the complete work that they have done and find out how you can help uncover more of the story. Many of you asked have asked me, how can you help out the show? There are a couple things you can do. First off, head over to Apple Podcasts, Audible, or Facebook and drop a review and a comment on there. Hopefully you think the star is, the show is worth five stars. Secondly, tell your friends, family, coworkers about the show. Convince them to check it out. And last but not least, you can head over to patreon.com slash rules and arena podcast. I have a little tip jar set up there just for $1 a month is all I ask. And if you'd like to keep up in t- keep in touch with new episodes and guests, follow the show on Facebook and Instagram, both at Rules of the Arena Podcast. Don't forget to check out the show on Twitch where you can tune into the show and join the conversation while we are live. Just head over to twitch.rulesoftherena twitch.tv slash rules of the arena sorry but if you missed the live stream but you still want to check out the video broadcast you can find all past recordings on youtube just search for rules of the arena podcast and if you'd like to get a hold of me directly for any questions comments or concern you can shoot me an email at gordon excuse me 
Gordon at BlindNinjaStudios.com. And last but last but note, a little business here. Don't forget to check out my other show called No Story Left Behind. You can find that on its own feed wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at No Story Left Behind. And if you want to check out merch for the show, click the link in the social in the show notes, or you can find the link in the social media notes. And I have a new merch store set up there. The Hammer and Axe Collection is out now, and it's going to be going away on March 31st. So grab yours before it's gone. Thank you again, everyone, and we will catch you next time.